0: to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. I'm your host, Dr. Onit Lev, an emergency and addiction doctor who has worked at the White House and still practices on the front lines. Right here on High Truths, you will learn from experts, hear stories from the emergency department, and listen to people who have struggled from addiction. Each episode, we will answer questions from you, our listeners. To learn more about the show, submit a question, access educational material, or even take a quiz, you can visit us on hightruths.com. Hey, you are in for an intriguing conversation. Many people have heard about the risk of your brain on drugs, but what about your skin on drugs? Today, we're gonna talk about skin, the epidermis. I remember a grade school joke You'd come to children who were around and say, hey, your epidermis is showing, and then you'd giggle and walk away. The skin is the largest organ of the body, and it is about 20 square feet, maybe a little less for me because I'm not so tall. But your skin is an essential protector of the rest of your body, and you just cannot live without it. So let's hear a question from Elizabeth Elizabeth is from New Jersey and is part of the Positive Youth in New Jersey working on preventing drugs um, in youth. And she's starting her life in the right direction, helping to promote drug prevention in her community.
1: My name is Elizabeth and I am calling from Stockton, New Jersey. I am a junior at South Hunter Regional High School and I have very bad acne. Can marijuana help improve my skin?
0: Thank you, Elizabeth, for your question and kudos for you and your work in prevention and making your community a better place. And thank you so much for asking about acne. I suffered from it terribly in high school and college. I thought it would never go away and it could really affect not just your skin, but also your self-esteem. So I understand the urge to try anything to get rid of pimples. And to answer your question and you immediately who to reach out to a dermatologist, a skin specialist. But for you, Elizabeth, not just any skin specialist. Our expert today knows dermatology, pathology, and wrote the chapter on how marijuana affects the skin. She wrote a very fascinating chapter on dermatological effects of marijuana in the medical textbook, Cannabis in Medicine, an evidence-based approach edited by Dr. Ken Finn, who has been a guest on High Truths. Um, so, Dr. Catherine Antley, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, um, Dr. Antley, how do we answer Elizabeth's question um, about uh, acne and
1: marijuana? Well, first, I need to um, say I'm not a dermatologist. I'm a dermatopathologist. Um, but I, um, in terms of acne, it's it's um, it's an interesting situation. You have, on the one hand, the industry is doing a lot of Uh, PR and advertising and making people believe, especially on the internet, that uh, cannabis somehow is going to help their acne. Um, And to be fair, there's uh, one uh, not very well done uh, study with not very many subjects um, that shows some improvement um, uh, when you use hemp seed, uh, crushed hemp seed on your acne. Uh, and but overall, there are not a lot of well-designed um, powerful um, you know cohort controlled double-blinded prospective studies looking at, at cannabis and its effect on on, on uh, acne. Um, so so most of the uh, promises that you see in the literature or rather on the internet or in the advertising world are not well are not backed up very well uh, by the science. One concerning thing is that we do have a very large survey that was done in France with over 10,000 subjects. And they saw a a pretty significant, a significant correlation between using marijuana and a outbreak of acne. And uh, our lab received skin biopsies from a number of dermatologists. So we are in touch with those practices and all their patients. And anecdotally, they tell me as well, that um you know there um patients when they smoke uh, or use m- marijuana tend to have more outbreaks. Now, is it because you know they get hungry and eat bad things that are bad for them and, and that trigger an outbreak? We don't know. Or is it uh, that it causes you know, psychological distress and this causes an outbreak? We don't know. But there is a correlation using marijuana results in more acne outbreaks. That's something that tends to be out there at this point. So the
0: actual studies before people start um, crushing up hemp seeds and putting it on their pimples is that overall, um, uh, looking at populations, it actually increased acne, did Correct. not decrease it.
1: Right, it increases the outbreak and the, I think the the frequency and duration, I believe. Wow,
0: thank you, and yeah. um, and. So I do want to show off a little bit about you, Dr. Catherine Atley. Um, you went to medical school at the University of North Carolina, residency in anatomic and clinical pathology at Duke, a fellowship in dermatopathology at University of Arkansas, and you are the lab director um, of the Vermont Dermatopathology, serving Vermont, New York, New Hampshire and you've been very active at the Vermont Medical Society. And for people who want to know more about you, your bio will be on the High Truth show notes. Dr. Antley, my sister to my horror um, (laughs) told me that she uses hemp shampoo and lotions. And I think that she is caught up in clever marketing. Um, But my question to you is that
1: Uh, Helpful? Is it harmful? Uh. You know, unfortunately, what we have we have a situation where there's there's just so much information that's out there that's that's hitting people in terms of their that they're taking in um, from you know the the internet or or radio, and it's not based in science. Um, And this this aspect of, of dermatology. Um, so cosmetic uh, products, they're not at all uh, regulated or the FDA, when you buy medicine, when you buy your Tylenol or whatever, they know it's FDA regulated, you know whether it's safe and effective. You know what's in it, you know how concentrated it is. You're you're pretty confident there's no lead in that uh, Tylenol. Um, when you are talking about creams or shampoos or soaps, um, these things, it's a gray area, and the, the FDA has, uh, you know, not done a really wonderful job of 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 regulating that area of of science, of, of the cannabis science. So we're having a lot of um, of products that are on the market that are are out there and unfortunately they're not regulated. So why is this a problem? It's a problem from a couple of standpoints. One is you don't know whether the CBD and THC that they say is on the label is actually on the, on the label. In other words, it does that shampoo really have the CBD that it's that it says on the on its label that it, it supposedly has? That we don't have good evidence that 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 happens. Um so it may probably only 30% of them are accurately labeled. Um, that means a lot don't have CBD, don't have as much CBD or maybe have too much or have contaminants. Contaminants could include um, THC, which has been documented. It could have uh, mold, heavy metals. In other words, we don't have the regulation uh, in this part of the market that we really should have. So. What we've seen with situations like this, where people put, you know, creams and whatnot on their on their skin, um, there are, you know, I know of at least one case where someone went for a job interview, was hired. The he had a um, urine test. Well, he came back positive. He said, "I'm not smoking. I don't use any THC." It was from the cream. So this, it is possible to absorb these um, psychoactive agents, be it CBD or THC um, from the creams, it is possible for them to trigger a positive um, um, you know drug urine drug screen. Um, and so these these are all pitfalls that I think most folks are are completely and utterly unaware of. I think yeah, I think it's dangerous.
0: It's it's clever marketing, very clever marketing. She showed me a shampoo bottle with a little marijuana leaf that she's, she's using. Um, but uh, you, you're very right about the labeling. Uh, there was published in the Journal of American Medical Association where they actually tested um, both CBD products and THC project, um, products, and they documented the inaccuracy in the labeling. And as emergency physician, People, I've never seen anybody come to the hospital with CBD poisoning, but I have seen patients come to the emergency department when they thought they were using CBD, but they had THC poisoning. Dr. Antley, what about the claims that THC or CBD is good for cancer?
1: Well, um, in, in our chapter, we we looked at that um, uh, quite a lot. Um, and it turns out that there's, so if you think about uh science and 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 medical science and what is the evidence that we use to uh, select various drugs and whatnot um we usually start off in in the lab so in vitro studies and we progress from there to to animal studies and then to human studies so um When you look at uh, skin cancers, usually in the skin, can be divided generally into melanoma and non-melanoma skin cancers. So there are a number of studies people have looked at using CBD and THC, um, do these, um, are these helpful in treating melanoma? Are they helpful in treating non-melanoma skin cancers? So for example, basal cell carcinoma or squamous cell carcinoma. And there are mixed results on that. the studies, but at this stage, the studies that we're seeing um, when you review the literature are mostly murine studies. So in other words, they're mice studies, um, in vitro studies. So cell, um, cell culture uh, treated with THC and do the neoplastic cells die when they're exposed to THC in the Petri dish or um, in the lab? And then we have very few just beginning, um, you know, human studies and those human studies Clinical studies are, are not large. Um, they're generally not double blind. Um, they're not cohort controlled. Um, so we don't have evidence to support that. However, what we are seeing, and and I, I see this, you know, we, we receive skin biopsies. So we're in communication with dermatologists who are seeing these patients. And what we're hearing from the dermatologists are patients are, patients are coming in and they have a tumor on their head um, that, um, you know, Mrs. So-and-so comes in and she says, well, you know, I've been treating it with CBD for the last six months. And then the dermatologist looks at this tumor and it's, it's you know, four times larger than it would have otherwise been. Basal cell carcinoma is a tumor that almost never kills someone. It's a very, it's a malignant tumor, but it is acts, um, if you cut it, if you remove it, uh, you have very good progn- prognosis. Well, these tumors have gone on so long, a basal cell carcinoma that's ignored can can eat right through the skull and into the brain. Oh. So what we're seeing are tumors that are are not treated on time. And so this is doing harm. And I, you know, if I were, if I had the wherewithal to design a study, I would really like to know. Uh, what percentage of, you know, patients arriving in the clinic have treated their tumor with um, CBD or THC um, clinically on their own or under the, uh, you know, naturopath or someone else, I don't know. Um, And, and are those tumors then presenting at a higher stage? And is their prognosis and outlook worse? Um, Because anecdotally, that's what we're seeing. That's, that's terrible. And, 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 um... I think it's
0: an example, not just for marijuana, but anytime um, people are given an alternative medicine or or treatment modality um, that's not scientific and they're delaying real medical care while doing that, then you have results such as a tumor, you know, you know, building its way into your skull instead of something small that could have been, you know, removed and, and had no consequence. So that's, that is definitely tragic when people are believing something is a cure for cancer when it's not. Um, so with that, um, let's talk a little bit about the harmful effects um, of marijuana or various drugs on the skin. Um, And I know that you've written extensively about allergies. People can be allergic to marijuana, THC, or CBD, or other components,
1: right? That's right. You know, it's so interesting, this theme keeps repeating itself, where the industry is saying it's helpful, like with, um, you know, tumors, they say it's helpful. And in the real world, what we're seeing are, are problems. And the same thing uh, with allergies, Aller- you know, we, we, I'm seeing advertising out in the world that you should use it for, um, for allergies. And yet what the science shows us is that people are getting sensitized to, um, cannabis allergens and, and they're having more and more, um, allergic, you know, problems. Um, and there are a couple different ways that people are being exposed. They're being exposed through their workplace. Um, so there are people who are growing it. Uh, There are people who are employed um, producing uh, various products from cannabis, and that's a a big exposure risk. But we're also seeing people who are exposed, of course, through using it, we know that. Um, And then, um, as well, in the literature, we're seeing uh, children arriving who've been sensitized to it and have had, of course, no known exposure, they're not smoking marijuana. Um, but they arrive, you know, with hives or, um, some other manifestation of their allergy and, um, their only exposure is mom and dad smoking at home or secondhand smoke. So this is really concerning that just with secondhand smoke, you can be sensitized to this and develop an allergy, which is, you know, clinically significant in addition to that's sort important of, for pediatricians
0: to know about. I don't, indeed. I don't know if that that's out there that if, you know, cause kids come to, a pediatrician's office with hives all the time, and they may not know to ask about secondhand smoke of of marijuana in the house.
1: That's right. Um, We also see in Colorado uh, where there's a lot of marijuana that's been growing for a couple of years now, um, that the general population is more sensitized than other places. We know that in uh, Islamabad, um, a larger percentage of the population is sensitized. and the feeling is that that's because it um, grows uh, wildly, apparently, in Islamabad or near Islamabad. Um, so the allergen, um, I'm told, is small and it floats in the air for, for many miles. So it's, um, it's not an easy allergen to sort of, you know, contain. If you are exposed, if you live where there's, you know, hemp is being grown, you're more likely to be exposed, you're more likely to be sensitized um, and develop an allergy. Um, Interesting. What about um,
0: herpes? You mentioned, I thought that was intriguing, that there could be an association with marijuana products and herpes.
1: What's interesting is when I, I this was unexpected, but when we did our research, we found that. Um, so, generally, um, CBD, cannabis, um, it has an immunosuppressive effect. Um, and there's some literature, again, in the science that, that, um, in vitro and in, in, um, mostly animal studies, they're looking at using it as an immunosuppressant for you know autoimmune type diseases. Um, but the flip side of that, as you're talking about, um, it, it affects uh, your ability to fight infection. And um, so there are reports in, this, in the literature of people who smoke or use marijuana are more likely to have um, outbreaks with herpes. Um, you know, Kaposi's sarcoma is a sarcoma that's uh, associated with human herpes eight. And if you use marijuana, you're more likely to have Kaposi's. If you have Kaposi's, it's more likely to be, you know, larger or, uh, more more of a problem. So those are two uh, viral infections that are made generally worse by using uh, marijuana. The other thing that we see that's related to that is, um, there's some literature coming out of Europe uh, they immunized um, for um, their their immunization um, for smallpox um, and other um, virals um, immunizations. They found they, they they didn't work as well if someone was using marijuana. So um, it's very concerning, especially now with COVID. We're gonna start to. Um, Immunize hopefully the entire population. We want everybody's you know immunization to work well and have a good effect. And it it's you know it's concerning that people who smoke marijuana may have a less uh, may be able to mount a less effective immune response. Um, if that's true, it would be it would be concerning. So l- let me repeat a little bit what you
0: just said to make sure I we have that clear. That um, y- using marijuana. Um, I don't know if it's smoking or edibles, can decrease your immune system and therefore make you more susceptible to infections that can pop up, such as herpes. Is that herpes simplex and herpes zoster? Both. And then it also, because your immune system is suppressed, it makes the the smallpox vaccine not as uh, efficacious. It doesn't work as well. Um, right. And that's been studied, right? We know that smallpox vaccine doesn't work as well in, in people who have used cannabis. Yeah, there's literature coming out of Europe. Yeah, in, Okay. And then that makes you think, well, is that the same for the COVID vaccine or not? A COVID vaccine is different. It's an RNA vaccine versus a live vaccine. Um, so um, yeah, what you, if you're going to get a vaccine, you want it to work. You don't want to... Uh, harm you know put a hinder in that um you also published about arteritis can you tell our listeners what's arteritis and how is that associated with cannabis
1: so cannabis is associated with uh, cardiovascular effects um your heart rate goes up you get tachycardic um you get vasoconstriction a lot of times it's it's um, um short term it'll sort of a spasm um, and, and there's some evidence to suggest the THC interferes with the platelets. Um, so you have sort of maybe a hypercoagulable um, uh, situation. So, uh, what, what we do see is that people who use marijuana ha- uh, do develop, um, arteritis and this, uh, results in ulceration, especially if they're, Fingers and toes, and if they continue to use marijuana, don't stop. It can uh, result in amputation. So it's quite serious. Um, we see this sort of thing in um, with smoking nicotine, uh, but the uh, quality of the of the. Um, injury is different. So with smoking, it tends to be tends to happen after a long period of time of smoking, and there's damage to the endothelium of the um, of the vessels, and you get to classic arthrosclerosis, calcifications, thickening, and damage and whatnot. When you stop smoking, eventually you will have repair, but but you don't get. Um, the, the the reversal of the disease is not as um, striking as when you stop using marijuana. When you stop using marijuana, these um, and it, the treatment is stop using marijuana and give um, aspirin. And if you can convince someone to stop using, they heal up. It's really quite remarkable because the endothelium of the um, you know vessels it's not it's not harmed as much. It's more of a of a an acute um, uh, narrowing of the of the vessels which eventually becomes quite dangerous someone's smoking all the time and won't stop but if they stop it is it is reversible which is nice and And it's not it's very and,
0: and you see that change as a dermatopathologist actually on under the microscope you see these changes of people before and after and what happened to them and their history and you actually see what their skin looks
1: like um you know, at the cellular level. Well, they'll heal. You know, they'll heal right up if if they stop, uh, especially with you know, like I said, with the aspirin, which um, makes the platelets less sticky. So
0: yeah. Right, and I think any um, patients out there who know that if they've had any complex wound care um, or or skin treatment, they are asked not to smoke because it is a vasoconstrictor. Um, Absolutely yeah, and so similarly, uh, I guess marijuana smoking can cause that type of effect as
1: well. right. right. The difference is again, it's 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 what we're seeing we're seeing this uh, this effect in cannabis in younger people. Um, and and so and, and it's, it's it's in younger people than we see with nicotine, and it's more reversible. Oh, so there's there's hope too. Um, You sent me an interesting
0: article about the U.S. Navy who um, they said they're not allowing any of the sailors to use THC or CBD products. Um, And and and, want to share a little bit about that?
1: Well, I just, I found that really very interesting that they had, they had done that. And I think it sort of recapitulates this idea that you don't know what's in the creams and shampoos and whatnot that, or or, uh, any of the products actually that are out there. They're not FDA approved. uh, Generally, there's only one that's FDA approved, which is um, for uh, childhood seizures. And the rest of it is, it's really, we don't know what's in it. So, um, you know, someone in the Navy may be taking something they think is CBD and it ends up, it doesn't have CBD in it, or it has very high CBD, or it even has THC in it and has a lot of THC in it. And we, we know that these products are absorbed through the skin. We know that they can, you know, trigger a, um, a positive urine screen, and in the Navy, this is, well, in many um, work you know, situations that can be devastating, um, you know, you can lose your rank or lose your job or or not get a job that you otherwise would have been offered, um, and, you know, CBD, people say it's not psychoactive, but it's um, sedating, and I don't think I'd want somebody driving the submarine who's sedated, <laughs> So it's you know it, it does have psychoactive effects in in that way, although it doesn't get you high.
0: Right. So I have two um, I have two daughters in the U.S. Navy, and I passed on that article. Although they already know they 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 know uh, ahead of time, and they're 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 told not to use these products and very very careful. And um, and it's even though it's getting hard to do that, it's uh, I've gone. Beef, uh, before COVID to restaurants and they will have a, a hemp salad and you can't eat that salad or you could lose your job. It's a real problem to, I think, employers uh, everywhere, not just the U.S. Navy. But um, Catherine, can you tell our listeners um, how you became interested in marijuana and association with dermatopathology?
1: Well, we're from, we live in Vermont, and uh, in 2013 or so, I uh, was washing dishes in the kitchen, and I heard over the radio that they were planning to uh, change the law uh, around cannabis, and I um, wasn't really sure that was the best thing to do, and so I thought well this is a small state I'll go talk to my representatives hey, and, and so I went to Montpelier and found my representatives and said no, I'm not really sure this is a good idea here are some concerns I just wanted to let you know and they said oh you're a doctor I said yeah and they said well you 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 testify next week <laughs> on why this isn't a good idea and so then I became real smart real quick <laughs> I learned everything I possibly could about this and and the more I learned the the more, you know, um shocked I was actually that we were going down this road. Right. And you bring such an interesting
0: perspective um, you know, the, the your your skin and and what you see under the microscope and, and the effects on it. I think that that's something most people don't even think about. And that led you to do something really cool um that I wish I got to go on, but you- you led a delegation to Iceland, um, where they have a great program on prevention. Can you tell us about that?
1: Right. So in Vermont, we have a really high uh, drug abuse problem, and our opiate, you know, problem in Vermont was was very high. Our death rate, overdose rate, was high. It is high again with COVID. Um, and so we do have a lot. So one of the concerns with cannabis was, you know, is that going to lead to more drug use, non-cannabis drug use, or not? And um, that led us to look at Iceland, and Iceland has um, one of the most interesting uh, models, you know, in the world right now. They had very high um, alcohol and drug use problems in the '90s. They had the highest use rates in the whole world, apparently. Or at least all in your in all of Europe, and they implemented um, a, a prevention program which involved uh, making sure that kids had a peer group that were not using drugs. Um, they uh, made sure that the after school activities were interesting. Um, they made sure that that um, advertising for alcohol and tobacco and whatnot was um, kept away from kids effectively, not just on paper. Um, and all of these, in um, I don't think you can even buy alcohol in the, you know, stop and goes, you have to go to a, a liquor store. So all of these uh, areas, um, they, made, they made changes and the effect was that they decreased their alcohol and drug use, um, you know, precipitously in the first 10 years so that they were the least in all of Europe. And then they kept on going for the next 10 years. So their, their their program actually worked. So with that in mind, I felt like, you know, Vermont would be interested in learning about this and we're a small state, so maybe we could implement this too. And the, the other piece to their program, which is so important is they would do um, studies, really um, surveys of their students every year and um, find out where their risk factors are and where their protective factors are. So if all your friends are not using drugs, then that's a protective factor. Spending more time with your parents is the most important protective factor. So they took a scientific approach um, and then using that data every year they refined it so that so that the changes that they made in the environment was most important for that, that small community, that school district. Um, so that's, that's really why we did that. And um, uh, there are a couple of pilot programs happening right now in, in Vermont um, using Iceland's model. Wow. And what are the results in Iceland? I think they've had great data results in, in doing that. They, they, have, they've, they, they, the first 10 years, they decreased their alcohol and drug use. They were leading, you know, Europe and they, I think they went from first place to last place. Wow. And then the next 10 years, they just kept on going down. So they have really low alcohol and drug use among their and, teens. And is there a problem
0: with marijuana in Iceland or no?
1: When I went there, it was illegal. Um, I can't remember if it's decrim or not. Um, and there's absolutely no advertising. Um, so they don't have a problem right now. Um, at least among the, the teens, they don't. The most vulnerable.
0: That's, that's commendable. I think that that's a great model. I think um, mm-hmm. I, I, they went, again, it's wonderful, from being the worst to um, a worldwide example.
1: It's very um, inspiring. I mean, cause it really gives you hope with, with, it's just, it's such a large problem and it feels so out of control I think for the individual family that it um, it's really wonderful to see somewhere that the community came together and made changes that, um, that, 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 that improved their situation so much. And it, it's, 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 it's interesting that um it's not something that one person can do. So this idea of, you know, just, just say no, or they didn't teach their kids anything about the bad effects of drugs. They focus on the parents, teaching the parents, teaching the people who are in charge of policy. And then they, um, they make change, those people make changes in the environment of their children um, that, that protect their children, because children aren't really, you know, the prefrontal cortex isn't really developed, so they're not really in a position to be able to make rational decisions about drugs. And that's the sort of the premise of, of Iceland. They leave it to parents and the community of parents, because one single parent really has a very difficult time making a, a positive change. Well, that's, that's,
0: um, that is inspiring. And I think it's innovative and, and makes sense. Um, end the show with advice to our, our caller, which is Elizabeth. So do you have any uh, words of wisdom um, for, to Elizabeth?
1: So I think, yeah. So I guess where I would end is um, just thinking again about this idea that the, the marijuana products, the cannabis, uh, the CBD and THC products that you see in the drugstores, the labeling Um, and and on the internet, it's very important to keep in mind that these aren't, although they say they're regulated, they are not regulated, and we don't have a good handle on what's in them. When you buy them, you don't know the level of THC or CBD reliably. The FDA is not um, going behind these industries and making sure they are what they say they are, and worse than that, there's a lot of contamination with heavy metals, pesticides, mold. So these products, I think it's fair to say right now are just not safe. And so I that, that would be my advice is to, to steer clear. <laughs> yeah.
0: And Elizabeth, my, um, I just want to really thank you for your question and, and calling in. Um, it's brave of you to do so. And I'm very proud of you for um, what you're doing and your involvement with positive youth in New Jersey. And a shout out to Aaron Cohen at New Jersey Safe Coalition for organizing youth to send questions to High Truths. And uh you. Um, There are a lot of kids just like you who worry about uh, acne. Uh, Very few are brave enough to openly ask about it. And I see a really bright future ahead of you uh, um, uh, and I wish you the best of health and success. And to Dr. Catherine Antley, thank you so much for being our expert at High Truths and highlighting the real science of marijuana and cannabis and how it affects the skin. And, um, and thank you for your enlightening chapter on dermatology in the textbook on cannabis. Um, and uh, really, you've gone beyond just uh, um, asking and and being an advocate um, on marijuana, but also really being a defender of the future generation of your state in in Vermont and what you're doing for prevention and public health. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts give you facts and answer your questions. This week's episode would not be possible without the generous support from our sponsors. A sincere and warm thank you to CCR, Center for Community Research in San Diego, enhancing public health and safety through informed action. If you would like to sponsor a show, we would be honored and grateful. Please contact us on hightruths.com. We thank you for listening and hope you will help our rating by giving us five stars and subscribe so you won't miss any of our informed, packed weekly shows. Visit our website, hightruths.com, to submit a question, take a quiz, or download a free prescription for naloxone. Until next week, this is High Truths on Drugs and Addiction. Our producer is Dave Rivas from Davey Boy Productions. I am your host, Dr. Oneet Lev, and we hope we brought your day a little bit more High Truths.